KTOO, I'm Katie Anastas with a look at local and statewide news. After a month's long search, Derek Boss will be Juno's new police chief. Deputy City Manager Robert Barr says today's announcement comes after a competitive process. Lots of interviews, uh, lots of uh, in-person um, uh, time, uh, both with him and us one-on-one and also um, with the community that we derived lots of good feedback from, both in, in public and with the department, uh, the police department. And um, we're, we're really uh, happy with his uh, background and expertise and think that he'll uh, make a good chief for Juno. The city picked three finalists for the position in August after former Chief Ed Mercer retired. Finalist Joshua Kingsbury from New Mexico dropped out. At a pair of town halls last month, Juneau Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell and Boss presented their policing philosophies and answered questions from the public. Boss is currently the police chief in Eagle, Colorado, and says his goal is to bring the department and the community's needs together. But also, more than that, um, you know, I think the department's just very, very tired. So, um, really, I think the the priority of breathing life back into the department and and supporting the officers. The Juneau Police Department has struggled with staffing shortages. In September, the department reported a 23 percent vacancy rate. In 2022, Boss was chief in Brush, Colorado, where he led an investigation that targeted two school administrators. The administrators stored explicit photos of a minor as evidence in a sexting investigation. Colorado news outlets reported at the time that charges like these were rare. The charges were eventually dismissed. City officials initially said they expected to announce the new chief earlier this month. Barr said the delay was because the city was checking references. The annual salary for the position is more than $164,000. Boss will start in February. Crowded sidewalks and packed city buses aren't the only signs of a busy tourist season in downtown Juneau. In recent years, people have also noticed slower cell service. Now, city officials are considering expanding public Wi-Fi in order to free up space on cell networks. Juno Tourism Manager Alexandra Pierce says complaints about cell service have been growing. Since the industry returned last year, we've had a fairly large volume of questions and complaints about whether or not the cruise ships are contributing to this issue, and they absolutely are. As cruises return to full capacity and ships themselves get bigger, more people are visiting Juno than ever. When all those visitors try using their cell phones, it can make service slower for everyone. Chris Murray is the city and borough of Juno's IT director. The cellular networks only have a certain amount of capacity, and that's why you see on a low ship day, it works just fine. But when you have more people, it's congested and nobody's happy. Now, in an effort to free up space on cell service networks, City officials are considering expanding public Wi-Fi service in the busiest parts of downtown during the tourist season. If we can slice off a chunk of passengers onto a public Wi-Fi, that frees up space on the cell networks. The Juneau Public Library has provided free Wi-Fi in Marine Park since 2018. Before that, tourists would often go to the downtown branch to use the Internet. City officials reported more than 100 people use the Wi-Fi there each day taking up the armchairs and spots at the desks. 
the library installed the Wi-Fi in Marine Park because there were a lot of people coming to the library to use the Wi-Fi, and it was creating some congestion issues for them. Marine passenger fees pay for the park Wi-Fi. The city spent $7,800 to set it up, and it costs about $2,000 per season to run it. When visitors use the Marine Park Wi-Fi, they're freeing up space in networks run by cell service providers, like AT&T and GCI. Those networks can slow down when there's a big influx of visitors. Expanding seasonal Wi-Fi would give more visitors a chance to get off the 4G and 5G networks, Pierce says. That's what we're looking at potentially doing. It's just expanding that Wi-Fi footprint to free up network capacity for local people trying to use their phones. The city's IT department is gauging Internet providers' interest in adding Wi-Fi to a three-square-mile area downtown. Murray says it would start at the whale statue and go south along the waterfront. We would have to connect various access points all the way from the whale statue south, which means bouncing it off light poles and putting in a lot of infrastructure. The city has put out a request for information, which can help city leaders get a sense of what it might cost and whether it's even feasible. The next step would be finding a funding source. The city's request for information closes next week. If the project moves forward, it could be the latest way the city adapts to record-breaking visitor numbers during tourist season. Kids from Petersburg competed in a marksmanship tournament in Juneau earlier this month. As KFSK's Hannah Floor reports, the athletes are learning about more than just target shooting. Kids from around Alaska and parts of Washington gathered in Juneau for the 2023 9th Annual Southeast Fall Shoot Invitational. Becky Turland is a coach with Petersburg's Devil's Thumb Shooters and traveled to the event with 12 local athletes. It was 21 degrees, so it was freezing. But it's fun to watch these kids succeed and break clays and have smiles on their faces. The group promotes sportsmanship and competitive target shooting. It also aims to educate kids on firearm safety. Nearly 28,000 shots were fired during the tournament. But Turland says there were no injuries. Edelyn Turland is Becky's daughter. She's in sixth grade and has been participating for three years. She says the fact that they're firing shotguns makes it different from other sports. In shooting, if you mess around, it could really go wrong. So we have to be extra cautious. Her mom says that focus on safety creates another benefit, an increased maturity and sense of responsibility. You're shooting a gun and you're firing at clays, but it's more for these kids to build a self-confidence and a discipline that they're not usually used to. Turlin says marksmanship can be great for kids who have anxiety or hyperactivity. When they're there at the range, they're able to focus. The Devil's Thumb Shooters was established in 2014. It started as a small club with one certified coach. Now they have seven coaches and nearly two dozen athletes who practice one to two times a week at the shooting range, located about 13 miles south of town. And last year, the club got a grant from the Petersburg Community Foundation. It paid for materials to build what's called a five-stand, a covered area for the kids to stand in while they shoot. Rainforest Contracting donated the labor to build the stand, and that means they're able to practice more often in all kinds of weather. Some of the club's new shooters competed in Juneau last weekend. Eighth grader Madeline Dreisbaugh won third place in Intermediate Ladies Sporting Clay. I was like, oh, I got a medal, and then I walked up there, and I came back, and I was like, so happy. Other wins include Edelyn Turland, who took first in all disciplines for female novice, and Hannah Slavin, who took first in all disciplines for female JV. 
Liam Mattingly competed in men's novice and brought back second in trap and wobbles, and first in double trap and high all around. The Devil's Thumb shooters won't practice again until spring, when they'll start preparing for the Alaska Yes State Championship in Anchorage. In Petersburg, I'm Hannah Floor. Many Alaskans have faced long waits for food over the last year, as the State Division of Public Assistance worked through a lengthy backlog in SNAP or food stamps applications. The current backlog is about 7,000 applications, according to Deb Etheridge, the division's director. During a discussion today on Talk of Alaska, Etheridge said the division is also taking steps to streamline the application process. We're working right now to develop an online SNAP application, which includes an individual's portal so people can just upload their information and apply online. State Representative Genevieve Mina also has a proposal to streamline the process. She's introduced legislation that aims to simplify SNAP applications, make more people eligible, and reduce work for the Division of Public Assistance. It allows a state to increase the income limit for the eligibility for SNAP from 130% poverty level to 200% poverty level. Additionally, it allows states to remove the asset test. The asset test is part of the SNAP process where they look at your savings. Mina says the bill would allow people who need assistance to be able to start saving while still getting SNAP benefits. That would avoid what is sometimes called the benefits cliff, when a small increase in earnings or savings makes someone suddenly ineligible for benefits. The backlog has also highlighted the need for more local food production, according to Andrew Jensen. He's a policy advisor for food and energy security for Governor Mike Dunleavy. Jensen says that's a policy goal for the coming year. In the upcoming legislative session, you are going to see a package of policy proposals put forward that are designed to incentivize and and really de-risk the production of food in Alaska. Despite progress, Etheridge says it's still difficult to estimate when exactly the current backlog of benefits will be addressed.